0: Roll it. Hello, world. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast, the official podcast of Church Mag, the place for church, tech, creativity, and all things awesome. It's time for Church Tech. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye here along with Jeremy Smith and special guest, Paul Clifford. Paul Clifford is... Paul, what would you say you do? Because you do like lots of different things. I mean, like video is your jam, like hardcore. But just like let everybody know, like what you do, who you
1: are, that that sort of thing. Uh, the short three word answer is church tech consultant. But okay, you know, I what's your niche? Uh, basically, I concentrate on pro presenter and live streaming. Okay,
0: that's that 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 does it for me. Um, that's for you, the listener. I already knew that, but. I wanted to get out of there and for you to hear it directly from the pollster here. So, Paul, um, people are listening to this. They hear church streaming, Pro Presenter. Everyone knows Pro Presenter. If they don't, maybe they should. But when it comes to church streaming, let me ask you in 2019, is church streaming still relevant?
1: I think I would say the opposite. In 2019, why aren't you live streaming? like, seriously, I mean, there are churches that should not. Absolutely, there are churches that should not. Like, if they think that they're suddenly going to be the the most relevant church ever just because they live stream, and then they're going to talk about how everybody but the 12 people that go to their church are going to hell, then uh, yeah, they're not, they should not, they, they should just shut up. But, you know.
0: Well, as, as, aside from possibly doctor, doctrinal um, <laughs> <laughs> issues of the question, is there any technical or uh, outside of theological bounds, a reason why a church should not church stream?
1: Well, so I think if you have, Unclear expectations. If you think that this is going to solve every problem, uh, it's not. And so you're going to be disappointed that you spent any time or money or anything. If you have a culture at your church that says, Hey, it's the live streams fault or it's technology's fault or what have you, then you should not live stream. If you think that, um, Oh, we've been running kids off for years and years and now we're going to live stream and that'll bring them back. No, it won't. You know, um, if you have a culture where anytime attendance goes down, you look to blame something other than leadership, other than vision, other than, Hey, we, we haven't changed anything about this building since 1962. You know, if you want to blame everything, but, Obvious things, then yeah, you shouldn't live stream either. So, <laughs>
0: so in, in your consulting with with live streaming proprietors or stuff like that, what would you say um, the the uh, the top roadblocks or possibly top errors that you see when it comes to live streaming?
1: Yeah, I'm actually working on an article for church production right now that. It's like the top five myths of live streaming. And one of them is that churches think you either have to use a computer to encode. That's the only way you can do it or whipping out your smartphone and holding it up in the very back of the sanctuary is good enough. And both of those are not true. It's, uh, it's something that I see over and over again, people thinking okay, how can we do this as cheaply as possible? Not in a let's test it out and see how it works kind of way, but in a I don't want to actually put anything into this. Uh, We're going to spend $20 for the world's cheapest internet, and we're not going to revisit that ever for any reason whatsoever. That's the kind of mistakes that I see a lot.
2: Um, So I... (sighs) I wouldn't say that I have a current viewpoint that differs from that, but the church that I'm at right now does live streaming and they do it well. And I think that it's important, A, to do something well whenever you do it in the first place. And that's something my church holds, too. But I think that also they attempted to do it really well, and they had a church tech team that um, really kind of made sure that they aspired to what they needed to do. Um, But they did not put... Live streaming as the priority. Um, and so, whenever it became successful, and actually, I, I shared this a couple of episodes, Eric, um, before, of how it became something where we were reaching more people in live stream than we were um, actually in the pulpit or in the congregation on the Sunday morning that we doubled down on it at that point, we were able to be able to make that shift in that moment. Um, but I actually really love, and even with the blogging of church bag, um, when you go in it just trying to do something really, really well without the expectation of needing to get it correct. Um, and I think that's where we really align in this is um, we don't have to be the best of the best, but uh, if we are actually just trying to do it really, really well to reach the community and it aligns with that vision, I think that that's where things really, really work. Um, but I, I, my hesitancy, especially with technology, is, is people's goals are to be the next life church um, or something like that, where I think that that's kind of a ridiculous statement if someone were to ever want to try to do that. And that's really kind of a, a difficult spot to be in at times. And so having that mentality of let's just do it for For the sake of doing something really, really well, I think is really, really important. Yeah,
1: I I think there's nothing wrong with having like a minimum viable ministry mindset. That's a term I stole from business planning. Sure. And and, uh, I saw this at my local Walmart, actually, which it utterly surprised me because they've got money out the wazoo. But or they have this service where you can order online, you drive up, and then they put the groceries in the car. Mm -hmm. Well, they could have started by building the thing out completely. But what they started with was like four or five-gallon buckets with concrete in them and signs saying, park here and call this phone number when you get here, right? Like any business could have done that from a mom and pop all the way up to a Walmart or anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that they did that was, hey, let's put just a little money behind this, not not anything. And if it turns out to be a success, then we'll really invest in it. And I really wish churches had that mindset in general, as opposed to the, well, I often see one of two mistakes. Either we're going to go all in, you don't have anyone to run the equipment. You don't have the understanding of how to do it. You don't even know where to go for training. But you say, hey, we're going all in and we're going to make it happen. And then you fail because there's just no one that knows how to do this stuff. So you, you really could have gotten away with a lot less. And mm-hmm. then that breeds resentment in other ministries and such. So that's one end of the spectrum. The other is hey, I'm just going to pull out my smartphone and we're never going to revisit it. And I think that both of those are mistakes. I think it's better to start with something small. Maybe you start for a few weeks with the smartphone, but then you go for a little bit better equipment and you plan on, hey, if this is a success, then we'll put more resources behind it. And if it fails miserably and no matter what we do, we cannot get more than, the two people that are in our church watching the live stream, just in case someone chose to watch it, then you move on. I think that's a very reasonable way to do things.
2: It, there's actually a term in psychology called burnout that talks about this, where you expect your um, investments and expectations of return do not meet the actual return on what you're doing. Then you um, are at risk of burnouts. And so if you have high expectations and are not putting a lot of money into it or you um, put a ton of money in it, even though you have low expectations, you will receive burnout in that process. And so I feel like that's kind of what you're describing here as far as that's concerned. Whereas you put a little money and you're, you're just hopeful that it reaches some people and then you have like huge success that you can do that double down on. Um, you can have a lot of benefit that comes out of that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that your church is a perfect model for the success it's hey if if no one is reached by this you know maybe we'll continue to do it but we're not gonna say oh well we just need the ten thousand dollar camera and then we'll build it and they will come sure that that would be a mistake um but it's a uh it's an equally bad mistake i think to say no matter how many people come Uh, This is just something that we add on to what the music minister does or what we add on to the volunteer tech leader, what she does. You know, I think that both of those are huge mistakes that you want to avoid as well. Um,
0: Paul, what would you say um, for for churches that are listening who, well— for all churches, whether they're currently paying for live streaming or they're thinking about live streaming because they've been so compelled by your arguments here that they just got to go do it, right? Um, What would you say a reasonable cost, you know, per month, annually, whatever, um, however you want to break it down, what what would a, a, a price range be? What, what should that be costing a church to be for to be providing live streaming services?
1: Well, I mean, there are obviously churches that do it for as close to free as they can. And again, I think that's a good way to put your toe in the water, but don't stay there necessarily. But I mean, I think if I could say a prayer tonight and God would make this happen, that every church that thinks, Hey, I I just put it up on Facebook, so I'm good. And that's their only plan. I'd love for that to go away. Um, So I would love for churches to actually put a little money behind it. And they might balk at these costs, but really when you look at how much you're paying people, these costs are really low. So um, like a lot of, third-party services other than your Facebook and your YouTube, which they have their own costs that aren't monetary. And maybe we'll touch on those later. But uh, I think in the $100 a month range is a good starting point. Um, And the reason that I like that range of prices for, this is just for the streaming service, by the way, not the internet. You need decent upload speed which, of course, cable modems and DSL and all, they don't bother to advertise in very big print at least. So you, you have that as a cost as well. Uh, but once you do that, I think that's a good price. And then if you think, okay, $100 a month, that's actually $25 a week. That's really not all that much money, not For an American church, you know, there are churches in developing countries where that's huge. But for an American church, that's really not that much money. But I've talked to churches that have that kind of money, you know, that that will not break them. But they act like this is like getting a second mortgage on the building to pay for this. And that's not the case whatsoever right you know?
0: now you you mentioned that that uh for churches that are using facebook for their live streaming right you you wish that was a trend that would go away uh, expand on that a little bit more why you know what issues may be a part of that why you want to see that trend end etc
1: well um it's a common argument online to say if you're not paying for something you're the product and that's the way it is with facebook now the recently they've gotten a little bit better in how they support their live streaming, but only a hair, like the whole idea of uh, moving fast and breaking things. That's a very hacker culture kind of way of doing things, except when they are moving so fast that they're breaking things like probably six months ago across the board. I was, seeing churches that on a Sunday morning, I pull out my phone, check Facebook. Hey, can you get on Facebook for your live stream? No, I can't. Can you? No, I can't. None of these big churches can either. And it turned out that they had a problem. And then the next week, hey, I noticed that they pulled me down. The National Hot Rod Association says that they own my content. And then someone else said, well, that's funny because the Olympic Committee says they own my content. And it turned out that it was a countdown clock that was flagging their system. So instead of testing early and figuring out what was wrong, they tested it on the users and then said, well, it's free. What do you want? I mean, maybe they didn't literally say that, but that kind of was the vibe that was put out. And there's no one to call, no one to interact with, no one to say, uh, wh- what, what are you doing? you know, and that's the kind of thing I see along with copyright, where it doesn't matter that you have a license from CCLI that says that you're legally allowed to do this. There's no one to tell.
2: Not that that's ever happened to you personally.
1: Yeah, it has. Happened
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, know.
1: Multiple times.
2: <laughs> I know we had a conversation. You were pretty burned about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that particular, so that happened to me, uh, on YouTube. Yep. Um, and it wasn't a CCLI license. I had specific written permission from the original artist before they signed a rec- record contract. Um, and I got flagged for copyright. And so I wrote back to YouTube and I said, hey, um, I have specific written permission from the original artist that predates the record company. And they said, no, you don't. Well, actually, I do. Uh, but I had no recourse because should I have thought it longer they could have banned my channel and mm-hmm. I just
2: you know. well and to be fair in the world of license whenever a company licensed something and then they get purchased technically that voids any and all license um, responses so it's just unfair yeah
0: yeah, not to mention the not to mention the fact that Facebook or not Facebook but rather not to mention the fact that YouTube has a long history regarding demonetization and canceling videos and 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 pulling content seemingly on a whim by whoever files the complaint. So, yeah, that definitely has a, a lot of issues. I was mostly curious about um the Facebook, but you know, I agree if 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 you're going to be streaming um you know, if you want to try to set something up, if you want to invest the time to, as you said, dip your toes in it and see what it's like to do something for free, that's fine I suppose. But if you're really seriously going to be offering this, you really you really should look for a a a paid service that this is their jam, this is what they do, and can and can help you along the way to make sure that you have the right internet speeds and can can shed some technical light to to make it go as easily uh as possible. Each and every Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think that if if it helps you to sell it to your elders or deacons or board or whoever at your church to say the reason we're paying for this instead of going with the free thing is because if something happens, I have a person I can talk to and they will help me through this. So if it helps you to sell it as this is like a warranty for our live stream. This is like technical service for our live stream. I think that's absolutely valid. And it's also nice to know that even if you maybe send it up to your main service and that's embedded on your website and also send it to Facebook or also send it to YouTube. um, And if something happens with the free services, That's fine. You've got your own website. You've got your own live stream. People can still interact with you there. So I I think that that's another huge selling point. Hmm.
2: Well, uh, Paul, for those that are like super interested in live stream or even just video in general, because there's so much stuff that we didn't talk about that you love to um, hit on and to consult and to address. Um, What's the one place that they can reach out or connect with you?
1: Uh, Probably the best place is trinitydigitalmedia.com. That's my company website and my hub for everything that I do. And all those words are spelled the normal way. So uh, you can just go there and find me, interact. I answer questions that people post on the comments and everything.